0: Welcome to the podcast, Becoming Goddess. Again, I'm your host, Yogi Vanessa. I am a clairsentient psychic healer, kundalini yoga teacher, bioenergetic healer, and spiritual life coach. After writing my first book, Living in the Magic of Life, which you can find on my website, yogivanessa.com. This podcast was born out of my observation of the world around me, working with medicine women women shaman and healers. I will continue to do this interviewing people from around the world so that we can all find our authentic voice. It is now our time to awaken and become conscious. Please comment below or check out my website yogivanessa.com. Now let's get to the show. Welcome back goddesses and gods to becoming goddess again. This is the place where you can come to to hear perspectives from women just like you. And I missed the month of February due to Mercury retrograde and a few other reasons, mainly because there was a very high upgrade of heart vibration and what that means within our own individual lives to rediscover the shadow and the light from within our heart spaces and all of the ways that we have coped or put personalities in place. To keep ourselves feeling safe in a time of intense, possible traumatic learning about the self and the life. And there is no victory without challenge. And I don't believe in perfection, only progress. So if you've gone through any of that over the last few months, few years, or your entire life, I hear you. I am one of you. I used the month of February to really take a good look at my life and my heart to see what I had been doing and what I had been putting in place to cope with different vibrations within my life that were no longer in sync with me letting my light shine. Sometimes it takes facing the shadow and really seeing yourself for everything that you've done and been and see what about it is serving me and what about it isn't serving me. And there's a positive side to every negative side. There's a balanced state through every imbalanced state. So I'm hoping that this conversation with my good friend Hannah will help you and will guide you through perhaps a very traumatic time in your life, or even just a time where you're looking for your voice and your clarity through all of everything going on. This is a big year, 2020. All of the energy upgrades that we're going through, time and energy on this planet is starting to feel more and more full of tension. And we need these leaders and guides and friends to point us in the right direction. So welcome back and join me in welcoming Hannah Zachney to Becoming Goddess Again. I want to welcome you, Hannah Zachney, to Becoming Goddess Again. Thank you. Because we met in such a fortuitous way, um, we are both in a transition to becoming our better selves, I would say. I really connected with you and that connection is like a statue, like it stands still in time and it can never be erased or shattered. It's like, even if we're not seeing each other all the time, I still feel like that moment in time was so strong that your personality and your character and your being has just made such a huge indention in my mind and I really appreciate it. It really was so meaningful to me.
1: Thank you. And I couldn't have said that better. A (laughs) hundred percent. Yeah. Thank you. It is rare and not so rare to have these connections and they mean so much. Yeah.
0: Actually, that's what I wanted to focus on for this podcast in part. Um, Before we get to what you do, since we're already here, to talk about how women are coming through out of the dark night of the soul, let's call it maybe. Yes. As we determine and differentiate ourselves from the patriarchal sort of molding that we have been stuck in for all these thousands of years and how that looks today in the modern day and in the changing of the paradigm from what was to what is and you being a woman leading women and i feel like our connection was very authentic um and i feel like that's because you're authentic Mm -hmm. you were already coming to that training as a full whole person Mm -hmm. and so maybe you can talk a little bit about how with perhaps even including your your trainings and your certificates and all your degrees and everything with the explanation of how, why are you already so authentic?
1: That is such a beautiful question. Um, I will get to all of the things and exposures with modalities and trainings. I will touch on those. But I, my gut instinct to that question is I just feel that as from even a child, I craved to be awake. I craved to just have my eyes open in every sense of the word, have my heart open. And quickly I became aware that that was different than maybe was being modeled around me and that that was going to be, uh, require growth in areas that I absolutely needed to um, explore to maintain that sense of awakeness. And I think just at such a young age, I craved it that I really built an internal stability to um, walk down those roads through the course of my life. So um, at some level, I absolutely chose to stay on this path, but the path was made clear to me very young. So um, in a way like there's, there's my ownership of choosing to continue in the direction, but I do feel like it was a gift, like a, more of a calling to, to be awake and to do what it requires to stay awake.
0: And so how are you able to function in this world as a mother of three boys and a wife and a teacher and a doctor and a leader? You know, with new people, you sort of always, we always try to present ourselves in the best light. It's so rare to meet someone that's sort of like, look, I've had a hard time yeah. in my life. And it wasn't easy, but I broke through and without even saying, you just feel that the person is honest and isn't trying to put a facade or a mask over their lives, especially as a woman, because I feel like women have never modeled to me either the truth of who they are, their bad sides and good sides. Everyone was always trying to show only the good sides or the beautiful sides. And I feel like our society, I can actually feel it in my blood, how women are holding on with all the last little attachments to an emblem of the mainstream media, like the magazines and the modeling and the clothes and buying and all this consumerism. And it's like, for me, I see that that's not going to be sustainable. So I've already made the decision to stop believing in that kind of method of living. And now I'm seeking new methods of living. But to have somebody that is so authentic right off the bat, it's like I want to learn from you. <laughs> and that's how I felt about you. So how did you get to be like that? Is it because of the of the work that you do? Or
1: yeah. So I think um, I think I tried that path. I think I tried to keep up, and I tried to put on a persona and not necessarily consciously, but because that's what society taught me to do. And I, I just think a couple, you know, a couple of trauma kind of things did happen when I was younger that um, I feel quickly just forced me to prioritize um, what was important to me. And at the time, those did not feel like gifts, but in reflection, they really were. So um, at those junctures I suppose I had the opportunity to either put the masks back on and carry on or to decide I wanted to live in a different way and I have chosen my gut when I when I hear you say authentic to me that's in alignment with myself right that's in not compromising my connection to my inner truth and my inner instinct and Have I been 100% with that? No, but I've been pretty dang close because that connection, I feel it speaks to me and I honor the time to create the space that we're in dialogue with one another. So um, when I'm off, I am aware I feel awful. (laughs) And at some simplistic level, simple, not easy, Um, I feel that it's good to feel good. And I just feel good when I'm in connection with my higher self. And even if that means I'm alone or judged or not like the rest or, um, and not that I'm completely off kilter from the rest of society either, but just that I'm doing it a little bit my own way. um, I'd rather have that than, and maybe a little bit of aloneness in that. than conform to something that just doesn't feel good. I just want to
0: feel good. Yeah. I hear huge self-reflection for myself in that too, because I think we all want to feel good. We all want to feel accepted. So we believe that going after those things is what is going to make us feel those things. Yes. And if we don't feel those things, we have to start questioning. And I think I've heard from you that you're sort of a pioneer because it is lonely.
1: hmm
0: It's very lonely to know that you're going against almost everybody else. (laughs) And it's almost like you have to forge your own way. So I guess that is a good time to transition into what in your background with your studies, aside from kundalini yoga and meditation, has created a foundation for you that you do with yourself to gauge whether you're, you're being authentic to yourself and it feels good.
1: Yeah. Um, well, even currently, I mean, my, my biggest uh, passion with some of the work I do right now is leading women's groups. And the the core of the women group is really to bring women into deep self-care practices. And for me, self-care practices are really the route to spiritual, spiritual connection. So uh, when and I, and I walk the walk on that part. Like, I don't teach people to do anything that I'm not personally doing or have done. Uh, so I would say the precursor to to being where I'm at for me um, is to have done a deep amount of, of trauma work, emotional work, um, you know, spiritual work, reflection on my life, and then intention setting on what do I wanna create. So that for me did involve uh, EMDR, brain spotting, uh, CRM, which stands for comprehensive resource modeling. EMDR stands for eye movement desensitization reprogramming and um, heart-centered therapy. And all of those modalities are modalities that help remove trauma from the somatic body. Um, And the trauma is really I think society needs to be informed a little bit better about what trauma really is, or we need to find a different word because people will dismiss trauma and they trauma is really anything that has happened that was too big for us to handle in the moment. And so by that definition, we all have some layer of trauma and if we've survived childhood, we probably all have some definition of trauma. And so without doing that, that cleanse in that way of those, of just living life. It's easy to be attached to um, the, the neural pathways that result from those kinds of traumas, which usually look like negative cognitions, like I'm not worthy or I don't deserve, or I, I'll be a failure always or whatever these things are. Uh, And so I did the work to remove those and, and it worked (laughs) and it worked. And so in that process of doing that, I became acutely aware that if I needed to share this with other people. So I immediately, and when I say immediately, like one day directly from my therapist's office, went and applied to grad school to get a master's in psychology to be able to have the ability to share these learnings and these modalities with people. So fast forward to the last. 10 years in private practice um, and working specifically with, well, with couples and men and women, but I noticed a thread with women where women would would handle some of their own personal trauma and then they would start to align with their authentic self and then they would take that person out into the world. And I think there was this illusion that everything's gonna be great now and they actually felt alone. And so in, Witnessing that time and time again, I kind of recognized yes, they're exactly where I was. Where, like, I needed to, to increase my self care so that I can increase my connection to spirituality to at least maintain my own personal compass and foundation. But then, at some level, that's enough, not enough. We needed community and we needed the normalization that other women are doing the same thing and that it's okay to feel these ways that we. Judge, which are just normal, you know, but we make them bad, and so yeah. So I guess that's where a lot of where my heart is, my and it matches what I've gone through as well.
0: I think if if all women could be honest with themselves, all humans, I think we would all highly agree with that. And in a way, it gives us, it saves us just to know that we're in community. In these issues. I've heard so many times from multiple people. I thought I was the only one. Yes. Right. And I don't know what it is about human cognition or brain, um, egotism yes. that exists. but how could it be possible that you're the only one it's not. So the fact that you're in community and that you're bringing that out. I mean, I have a feeling that we're going to move into a a time when something like this is going to be on every block. And I think that's what Yogi Bhajan was talking about. It's like not only the Kundalini yoga, it's the, the level of self-care. And I'm curious, do you find that your level of self-care has to be upgraded every so often? Or <sighs> do you feel like you have enough self-care? <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh, <laughs> yes, no I hear you on that question um no I could I could literally just go do oodles of self-care and I think that the more I do the more I crave so um I mean yes practically it does need to be revamped in the sense that you know eventually something can become a little bit stale or not fit and I need to tweak it in some way like maybe I'm in a in a journaling phase and then maybe that shifts to a walking in nature phase. So things like that may shift, but the amount that I need and the tenderness and the compassion around it that I need only increases. Yeah. That only increases. And the more, and I, yeah, I just re- recently am kind of embracing this concept of it's okay to be full of yourself and <laughs> <laughs> and that sounds a little egotistical and it's not meant to be like that. It's more like it's okay to be so full of yourself that, that you ha- that your cup runneth over, that you have enough to give. And so I do find that when your cup is full, you desire to share when you when we heal we want to heal others when we see something great we want to share it with others so the the more i fill up the more i want to give it away and so just the natural consequence of that or the natural reaction of that is now i need more self-care to fill up more and so i'm able to give more and then i need to fill up deeper in deeper ways and so yes the amount of time that i need uh increases and that's a good thing i think
0: Okay. I was just checking. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Um, So I would like to go into sort of a mock or you can just tell me you probably, I don't know if you're allowed to use cases or what, but EMDR, what kind of um, specific trauma can it reprogram in the brain? Is it only PTSD or is it?
1: Yeah, no. Um, So EMDR is typically a known for PTSD for sure it's known for that and it's known to be very effective with core beliefs that need to be reprogrammed like i'm not smart enough i'm not good enough these kinds of things and it will allow your body to find where it's storing the somatic holding of that belief, um, the memory, maybe the moment. It can go as far back as generational. It can go into in utero, in utero. It can go into preverbal. It can go into places that you have experienced that you don't know, but you feel and you respond from. So, um, for me, I use EMDR in my clinical practice a lot more for though for single incident trauma, for um, more, you know, um, things we possibly, well, I wouldn't say that's all single incident, but like a rape, an incest, um, an incest would probably be a long occurring, but a single incident rape even could be something that you would use EMDR for, which is, which is an amazing thing. Um, but CRM is very similar to EMDR. It's Comprehensive Resource Modeling. And I do find that I use it quite a bit currently. And I think the reasoning for that is, is that it's based on the idea that which science is is showing us right now, that basically when our nervous system is, is calmed, that our body will naturally release what it no longer needs. So when we are safe, we will let go of our trauma naturally. So CRM is really, it reminds me a lot of Kundalini actually, and a lot of just using breath and using um, kind of, um, let's see. It's really, it, it, it is absolutely, it's kind of like Kundalini where you don't, it doesn't really make sense until you take a class. So it's a little bit hard to explain, but it it is, dropping up the nervous system, allowing the right and left hemispheres to move energy from from one side to the next. And then in that process, things that have got stuck or that have not been a complete story, they move to a full integrated story. So all that to say, um, CRM would be more for approaching procrastination, resistance, you know, why can't I achieve this goal? Why why do I always find this pattern in relationship? Why, you know, kind of these more plaguing lifestyle problems that people intellectually know they're ready to let go of, but that there's some reason that they can't completely move through it. And so that is just like an amazing gift to help somebody move through something like that.
0: That is amazing because we all have those small little things. Yes. Wow. And so um, could you like take me through like a a minute of what you do in EMDR? Like, do you look at the person's eyes moving?
1: Yeah. So traditional EMDR was done by uh, you actually sit to the side of somebody and you, you would use your fingers and you would move your fingers right and left. So they would follow your fingers and with their eyeballs. And that would toggle the right and left hemispheres. And we, what we know is that when your eyes move, it's, or look at one space, which is more CRM brain spotting, is more they look at one space in like a, a static eye position versus EMDR, there's movement in the eyes. And so, but what we know about the eyes in, the, in relation to where they're looking is that it's not like, if we were dealing with a, a car accident, it wouldn't be where were your eyes We're we're not trying to recreate where were your eyes looking during the car accident. We're actually trying to get your eyes to go to a place that puts pressure on your optic nerve, that lights up a place in your brain that holds the space of that car accident. So using the eyes, eyes become the window to the soul, the window to the body in that way. So I could do EMDR in that way. We also are effective with using vibration through the hands. So sometimes I have these things we call pulsers and somebody will hold the pulsers in their right and left hand and I can control them and they will vibrate and uh, change from more uh, sensation in the right and then to the left and back. And I can control the speed and intensity of that. So that's another way of doing that. Um, And most always, um, You could use tones on the ear, which almost sounds like a hearing test. It'll beat from one ear to the other, but more often I personally prefer to use bilateral music, which is kind of relaxing music and it'll wash from the right headset to the left headset. And in the same way, toggle through the hemispheres. People's eyes in all of those, except for the ones where they follow my fingers are typically closed. People tend to to enjoy the ones where they're closed and they can go a little, deeper within, I think. So that's always a good thing. Um, I typically sit across from them and I guide them as far as guiding them with breath, guiding them um, with approaching the edges of where are they holding these memories in their body and what's coming up for them, um, checking in with them emotionally, making sure they're okay. Um, but one of the beautiful pieces of this, these kinds of processes is that people discover what's held in their body and in their brain on their own. And so it's a little bit like I'm holding space, but they're doing their own work. And uh, I think things free quicker and more safely in that manner. So it's beautiful. Wow, Wow. That's
0: really amazing. It's so amazing. The more I teach and the more I discover all modalities of healing, And I don't think I've even gotten halfway through, or maybe even scratched the surface of the amount of healing that I think humanity needs to go through, and that how it all relates to one another because we're connected. And that the small amount of healing that you do actually does help me, and the small amount of healing that I do will help somebody else because. Mm -hmm connected, but that how vast the body and the signs of the body can portray trauma and get it out of the body. It's like he says, that quote by Yogi Bhajan just comes back to me so often in classes, like our issues are in our tissues. And you said that again too. And I feel it as well. It's like you'll be walking down the street or like you said, out in nature and all of a sudden you remember you stubbed your toe when you were whatever, seven walking down the hallway. And then you think about the hallway and you think about how traumatic that hallway was because it's like amazing how the mind works. And so you, as the eyes are the window to the soul, that must be very profound. I mean, you're like a scientist.
1: Oh, it's fascinating. Yes. And don't you personally, I get it when I get a massage too, you, you know, I'll have a release in my shoulder and I'll have a memory as somebody's working on me because the memory is held in my shoulder. It just is. And I know we all have these small experiences like you with the stubbed toe. And I think when we start to trust that, trust that wisdom of our body um, and can be held with somebody that can kind of help us move through that, it's magical what we can do.
0: It really is. Even I was having a massage <laughs> it was, it was so it's so apropos I, it, like months ago though and then thankfully she was an energy worker as well and she allowed me to go through some traumatic things that happened to me in my life even still that I thought I had dealt with many times and nope, it was still there was still something in there that needed to be churned and and lived through and, and released. So it's so amazing. And, you know, I really do believe that we are the pioneers to this new revolution, or I call it re-evolve, this re-evolvement of our species, of, of our, well, really I'm focused on women right now as well because I'm a woman and because I, I see how the women in our society are really changing we're changing the whole me too movement. And so I'm not just making these observations for no reason and nothing's happening. Nothing's manifesting. I'm actually seeing things, many things manifest. I'll think of something. And then the next day, you know, Harvey Weinstein is supposed to be convicted, or I'll think of something. And then women are all saying like this whole thing with the Kundalini world, these truths are coming out and I think we have so much truth to tell as women that obviously it's not going to stop. But as the pioneers, how can we not just get it out, but also get it out in a healthy way that helps humanity advance towards the future and what that's going to look like, because it doesn't feel good as a woman to not be accepted by other women. You know, and I think we we still have a ways to go with that because to be in community, we have to help each other and support each other and hold space for one another. But if we're constantly thinking that we're in competition, then there's no way that anyone is going to want to support you because I have to win. So that part of society hasn't really shifted yet. But As pioneers, I I look at you as a pioneer. I look at myself as a pioneer in the new, you know, leadership. And that's why I love this whole idea of us becoming goddesses, because I think if we really felt like we were the ultimate supreme power, which is what we are, then there would be no more competition. There would be no more even question. We would just support each other because you're a goddess. I'm a goddess. We all have, you know, the supreme amount of power. We don't need to... fight over it, especially if we fully get the concept of us being one. Um, Can you speak a little bit about what you're seeing in your groups and your women's circles and what you're leading?
1: Yes. Um, I love every part of this angle on this conversation. I, I think of it sometimes as pop, we're the we're the first popcorn kernels out of the air popper, right? We're the first ones that like, get like jetted out, <laughs> and and here we are, and it's kind of lonely. We're not sure what to do with that, and yet, um, you know, it it takes courage to step and to follow into that. And sometimes I um, I'm appreciative for other women that are that are popping and pioneering as well, um, and I and I recognize that I need inspiration and so I am constantly reassured that even when I am insecure or unsure or, or in doubt that this is work that needs to be done and that and that is part of the push and the pull and the the strength it derives from just that knowledge and I think something that women really need uh, that I see in my practice again and again is that women tend to, and I don't know exactly, you know, maybe our programming, our culture, or maybe it's just inherently who we are, but we tend to need permission to be big, to play, to shine, to, and, and sometimes that just looks like having somebody do it in front of you. And so that gives you permission, right? It's like, I love this idea that when when you see somebody being authentic, it gives you permission to be authentic. When you see somebody being completely unabashedly themselves, whatever that means, then that gives you permission to be unabashedly yourself. And when I say I'm learning to be full of myself, I think there's something in it that relates to what you're saying right now in that that also means I'm learning to not apologize for all the beautiful parts of me and all the edgy parts of me, all of it, that all of it is wonderful. And... And I don't need to make any part of it small. And in that, um, I get chills talking about it because I, and I and I know you hear me and just that if we could all do that, it sounds utopian in some way that we could all just believe that we're goddesses and support each other. But I'm holding on to the hope that, the, that we're gonna get there in this lifetime because I really <laughs> wanna <to> see it. <laughs> yeah.
0: no, I mean, I, I must be, I must be like, what is it? The ugly duckling or something where I see everyone's potential and beauty. I've always been that way and I've always been shot down. Or let's just say I've had to learn the hard way because I thought people were like me or like you, you know, that's something that we agree upon. We've always wanted to learn more, advance more, seek the truth more and get to feeling good. And not everyone was that way, you know, so it is hard, but I believe that if everyone could simply remember that light that you were talking about, that light and that bigness within you that no one ever told you to play that small, but you just felt like, we just felt like society made us to feel that way. And so if we could remember the truth of who we are, then that would be achieved. Yeah. And I think the more we heal, the more we understand that as a human, there is healing that needs to be done no matter what level or what number in your bank account or no matter who your friends are. It's all about acceptance. And if you can't accept yourself, then you can't accept another. So this judgment that happens is, I see it as a very clear statement that you're judgmental with yourself. And so I've gotten to the place that I send love to people that cannot go there with me and continue to just walk my walk. But I do see it in our future that we are all accepted and we are all goddesses and gods. And I believe in the golden age that's coming. And I just can't let go of that idea because I've got young kids and I'm sure you feel this way as well. I want them to grow up in a different kind of world than I did. And I can see that the world is already changing. So the world is already different no matter what. Now, what kind of future world Mm -hmm. can I see? And so I I see everyone as a goddess and that you're sharing all of the modalities, all of the work, all of the traumas, all of who you are with as many women as you can. That's the work. That's the shifting of the world. You already are, no matter what. Yes, I mean, we can be so self-critical with ourselves and say, we're not doing enough. We're not reaching enough people. It's a process, right? Every day.
1: Yes, I appreciate that so much. And I, it makes me think of, additionally, how just women are such natural caretakers and nurturers, and we, we wear one another's burdens on our shoulders. You know, we take the those that we love and those that we just are in contact with or see on the news and know of in a different country. We, we wear all of that. And I think that there is um, a fallacy to this idea that it's selfish to do self-care or that you know, that, that the, we have to keep all the plates in the air. We can't take our eyes off at all for one minute just to go within. And and this piece of self-love, which you're just speaking to, I think that's where it really is, that if you can really learn to love yourself, that it gives you permission to love others deeper. And then that is what ripples. And when people can witness you loving yourself and still showing up as a kind person and not being in a self-indulgent place that doesn't mean that you don't have fun or enjoy your life I mean certainly this life is meant to be had fun with I believe but that um, that the more that you love yourself the more that you love the world and you know hurt people hurt people and happy kind loving people they don't and yeah that just says a lot right there right (laughs) yes
0: it really does I mean It is a cliche, but it is a true cliche, truthful, Mm -hmm. and it's hard to remember sometimes when you're dealing with others. And then you know it's like, if you can't can't see God and all you can't, (laughs) I (laughs) keep referring back to them because they're so good too. But it is true, and this idea of self love. What do you think about? Is there ever a point that you just remember that all the time, how to be so loving towards yourself every single day, no matter what? Like, you know, you, so you drop a plate and you say, oh, I love you for dropping the plate. You dropped a plate. Yay.
1: You know, for me, that's what I think the rituals or self-care or dedicated time is all about. Because I know if I slip through the day that um, having that time allotted on a consistent base will just rewire me really quick. It'll bring me right back. So I don't know. I think maybe as long as I'm in human form, I don't know if I'm going to evolve to the degree where it's every moment of every day. But I do see that I return quicker, you know, and I, I don't hold on to it as long uh, for sure. And and the days that would have lasted longer with the routines of just intentionally checking in and and reconnecting to my higher self. that you know, when I'm in that vibration, those things fall away, they don't matter. So it's just really, if I fall away from those, the vibration, if I fall away from the inner sense of love, then those things have more weight. And for me, that's the answer.
0: So are you saying that you use that sort of as like a gauge? use self-care as a gauge. Yeah. Like if you're out of the vibration and you can't feel the self-love, then you're saying that your gauge is kind of, you know, going towards the, I need some self-care, some self-love and then you do it and you bounce right back.
1: Yeah. You know, it's funny. I use, I, I talk about like, you know, if you're a child and you have a temper tantrum, then you go as a loving parent, you go soothe your child. I mean, yes, there's discipline and there's responsibility in that, that you teach as well, but that you go soothe the child. Like they're upset about something, you take care of them, right? And I think as adults, we sometimes, we have, a, we have an adult temper tantrum, we don't know how to self-soothe ourselves. <laughs> and, <laughs> and so I think it's like, it's not punishing ourselves in those times or, or berating ourselves, but rather loving ourselves in those moments. And that can be a big shift.
0: Yeah. Have you ever used... You're talking about vibrations and I'm I'm really getting back into that now. Um I've been involved in it before and I've thought about it before, but for some reason I I stopped using it really as a gauge and now I am including self-care and and rituals and and my own sort of um time to myself that I can re-rewire that that memory back to vibrations. So do you sort of look at your vibration and kind of see what you're manifesting to see where you're at or, you know, immediately.
1: Um, I, I know quicker now and every day that increases and I can witness myself better. So I can pay attention to my thoughts more clearly and I can see if my thoughts are moving towards gratitude or fear. And I, and so then when I see that difference, I, I'm able to feel what that feels like in my body because I just—it feels better to be in a vibration of gratitude. And you know, there's there's one uh, study of the Huffington, Huffington Post of years ago, but they did a really great visual of just demonstrating that when we're in higher vibration emotions like joy and love and gratitude, that our blood flow and our circulatory system, our endocrine system, everything is just flowing more vibrantly, and it goes all the way out to our fingers and toes, and we are literally alive and light and when we are in depression or sadness it, the our circulatory system shuts down and our and our oxygen our blood flow really only courses into our torso into our main just to basically keep our inter, our main organs alive so it's it it's literally factual and biological that you can feel that vibration in your body so understanding your own body i think is a big piece of of work and also um, a permission that maybe some people don't is feel as indulgent or not uh, worthy. But it really is to understand the feedback of your own body is also um, a piece, I think, of managing your vibration.
0: Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Well, thank you so much, mama. Thank you. We as women are so good at, we're good at going deep when we allow ourselves to and quickly. Yeah. And that is definitely something that I love about you. So thank you so much for being on.
1: Thank you. And thank you for the beautiful work that you're doing and your just belief in humanity and in women and in love. It's so inspiring. Thank you.
0: You're welcome and thank you. And high five to you, sister. Let's tell everybody what you what you do and where you can be reached first.
1: Yes. So I am a marriage family therapist in Folsom, California, and I do women's empowerment intensives and retreats. They, I am under the title for those is Heart Wide Open, and I can be found on Heart Wide Open Women on Instagram and on Facebook at Hannah Zachney and all things therapeutic. The simplest way to find me, however, is just hannahzachney.com.
0: Great. All right. Hannah, thank you. And let's talk again soon, even if it's not on here. Absolutely. And thank you, listeners, for listening to Becoming Goddess again. You know, having women as friends, as leaders that rise up and become the leaders of our lives right now at this time is so important because they provide us these role models and molds that we can actually see ourselves becoming and being happy rather than looking toward these unattainable people and then wind up feeling like we're less than, when in reality we're all the same, we're all trying to feel good and be happy and discover what it is that fills us up with purpose and drive and makes us happy and these women who are outside of us who are above us no one is above you no one is more powerful than you doesn't matter what they do or how much money they make and that really is what this podcast is about and I believe that Hannah Zachney and really all of the people that I interview are the women of the future because it's going to take All of us to come together and rise up to create our future for the future generations and these young girls that are coming into life to look up to us and to feel our strength in a greater number than ever before. It is time for us to rise up. It is time for us to find our voices. And as women feeling sovereign, feeling independent and feeling empowered, there is nothing better than that feeling. So I hope that I'm providing you that service and I look forward to all of your comments. Please share this with your friends, your family, sisters, cousins, brothers, really anyone that you think could benefit and comment and and subscribe. Or there are ways to support me doing this by donating monthly and that will help me to further this message to all of us. Thank you. Oh 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 oh